My name's Owen, and I have the pleasure of leading the team here at Foundation Church. And if you've joined us since the start of our time together this afternoon, I just want to say welcome. Uh, I'm glad that you've joined us this afternoon, whether you're a Foundation regular or whether you are with us for the first time today. Uh, I'm so glad that you've joined us. Uh, now, we are going to be starting a new series today. As David mentioned earlier, we are just a few weeks out from Christmas. And this is actually the first Sunday of Advent as we approach Christmas together. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks in a, in a short Christmas series, a series that we have entitled Soundtrack to Christmas. Now, I really, really love Christmas time. I mean, I really love Christmas time. I love the food. Uh, I, I, there's not a lot about Christmas and the way we celebrate in this country or memories of childhood that I don't love. But I also particularly enjoy Christmas music, uh, carols. I love singing carols, but I also love uh, loads of secular Christmas music. And, and I, I've racked my brains at times to think why it might be that I, I love it so much. And I, I wonder if perhaps it's because for just one month of the year, uh, although there's some really good quality stuff out there, I let myself kind of put on all this tacky, terrible pop music that I wouldn't normally listen to the rest of the year. And just for one month, I go nuts and love it. Uh, I wonder what your favorite Christmas song is. If you were going to compile a, a Christmas mixtape, or you were going to soundtrack your family Christmas as you set up the tree and all those other things, what would you choose? What would make the list? Maybe you have a favorite Christmas album. If you could just listen to one Christmas album for the rest of your days, what would you choose? I know 100% what mine would be. I would choose Songs for Christmas by Sufjan Stevens. I love it. Although we don't get to listen to it often in our house because Jenny's not a fan. Now, Christmas music isn't just a recent thing or a kind of modern phenomena. And that's because as humans, when we celebrate, we sing. I don't know if you've noticed that. When we get excited about something, when we receive good news, when we're overwhelmed with joy, invariably it finds its way out in song. Skeptical? Don't believe me? Even look at a, a group of kind of hard sports fans who think, oh, I'm not sing. And you get them at a game and their team score, it's not just cheering, there's plenty of singing, not all of it very pleasant, mind, but there's plenty of singing in the excitement of the atmosphere when you get excited and there's good news, it overflows, often in song. And you know, at the very first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, it actually seems like pretty much everyone burst out in spontaneous song. And there are four songs recorded for us in the book of Luke, in the first two chapters, and those four songs are, are going to form the basis of this Soundtrack to Christmas series for us. Over the next four weeks, we're going to take one song each week as we build this Soundtrack to Christmas. It will feature songs from an expectant young mum, a respectable old man, an aging priest, and a choir of angels. And all of these characters who will hear their songs 
had received good news, and in turn they wanted to proclaim good news to others. But there's something intriguing about them too, which is that whilst they sang these songs that flowed out of good news, out of excitement, they weren't actually all in comfortable or easy circumstances. In fact, in some ways, even the good news that they had received could bring about difficult circumstances and could be difficult to receive because it might mean being ostracized. It may mean being rejected even by loved ones. But the good news they received was so good (laughs) that it made even the prospect of being shunned by loved ones pale into insignificance. It didn't make everything easy. It didn't get rid of the uncomfortable or the challenge, but it was such good news that it meant none of those things mattered by comparison. Now, I know that not everyone loves Christmas as much as I do. I know that for some of you, Christmas may mean painful memories. It may mean feeling even more alone than usual, perhaps feeling very alone even when you're surrounded by people. For some, the weight of expectation that Christmas comes with, the the weight of expectation of children or parents or others around you feels difficult to bear. For some, the financial pressure, as you don't want to let people down, but you don't possibly know how you're going to make ends meet this month. This year, Christmas, for many, will be a challenging time whether that's through financial strain caused through redundancies this year or other things associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. Maybe it's tensions in families as you try and work out who can be in your kind of bubble of three households. Maybe as grandparents, you're trying to work out like which children and grandchildren you get to see and how you tell the others that you're just not going to see them this year. There are all kinds of reasons that Christmas And maybe this Christmas in particular for some may feel stressful, challenging, daunting even. But over this cacophony of worries and pressures and stresses, I want to play the first song from our soundtrack to Christmas. This first song comes from a young, poor, engaged, but not yet married, pregnant woman. Her fiancé knows that the child she's carrying isn't his. Her family don't know what to think. In a society where it's the height of scandal to have a child outside of wedlock, the potential of rejection from people for this young girl is huge. She faces public shame. The potential that even her very closest loved ones may turn their back on her and a very uncertain future. What if her fiancé backs out? Which he might. And who could blame him? Well, what would she do then? How could she raise this child? Who would provide for them? Difficult circumstances. But this first song in our soundtrack to Christmas sings out good news. Because the baby inside her is no ordinary child. He's the son of God. 
the saviour of the world, the promised rescuer who would come to restore right relationship between God and man. At least that's what the angel had said. And she believed him. With all of this, whirring around her head, our, our young woman sets off to visit her cousin. An older woman in her 60s who's never had children. Not because she didn't want them, no. Just that her and her husband, Zachariah, had never been able to conceive. Elizabeth was past the age of childbearing now. The years of unmet expectations, of hopes, dashed again. But when the angel told Mary that she was going to give birth, he also said, against all the odds, her cousin Elizabeth would too. And her husband, Zachariah, well, his song is for another day. Today we're going to listen to Mary's song. But when she found out, she didn't waste any time. She set off. She had to see for herself. Is it true? Is Elizabeth really with child? Two miraculous babies in one family? This was messy and complex. And who knew how it would all play out? But if it was true, it was good news indeed. On arrival, Elizabeth greets Mary with an astonishing proclamation. She says this to her, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Amazing. As Mary arrives, Elizabeth really is pregnant. And what's more, Elizabeth confirms to Mary what the angel had told her. The baby she's carrying is indeed Lord and Saviour the Messiah, the rescuer. Mary can't contain her excitement anymore. The complexities and uncertainties about what may or may not happen, they all remain. But Mary's song cuts straight through the noise of all of this. A declaration of joy and hope in the storm. And I'm going to invite Joe up now to read to us the words of Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. 
Thanks, Joe. It's an amazing song, and we're going to dig into it now together and see what it means and how it's good news to us too. Mary begins by saying, My soul glorifies or, or magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. See, in this moment, Mary just like bursts with praise for God. Praise that comes out of gratitude to God. We were created to glorify our Creator. And Mary, right here, goes for it. Uh, but it doesn't proceed from her doing anything or keeping commands. Where does it come from? We read here, it comes from a recognition of God's unmerited favor towards her. See, Mary sees that she's not really anything special by the world's standards. She says of herself that she's a servant. She, that's how she views herself compared to God. But when the angel comes and, and shares with her the good news of that she's going to be with child and it will be the saviour of the world, the son of God, and she's to call him Jesus. Mary says, in response, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary's response is of one of humility. Her posture is one of humility rather than of pride. She recognizes that by the world's standards, she's nothing special. She's not wealthy or powerful or influential or even well-known. She doesn't really bring anything to the table in that sense. But she says here, my soul glorifies God because he's seen me. He knows her and he chooses to show her extraordinary favor. And in the light of that, Mary just goes, oh, I can't help but praise God. Like I haven't done anything to make myself like, attractive to him or to do anything to, of my own merit, but he has shown me favor. Amazing. And she carries on. And she says, from now, all generations will call me blessed. Why? For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary says, all generations are going to call me blessed. Not because of me, <laughs> but because of God. Because of what he has done for me. This is amazing, isn't it? Actually, Mary is so aware of the fact that this is all God's work and not hers. She's humble and aware of her need of God. And I say, we can often get this wrong. <laughs> it would have been easy, perhaps, I think, for Mary to have grown proud in her position. I mean, just think about it, right? To think, like, God has chosen me. I mean, imagine if you were in her position, an angel comes to her and says, Mary, you're going to be pregnant, and, and this baby isn't going to come about by normal, natural means, but God himself is going to put this child in you, <laughs> and he will be the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the, the promised rescuer who your people have been waiting for for generations, the one who will 
restore right relationship between God and man, and, and she remains humble. How easy would it have been for her to have an attitude of being like, you know, God's chosen me, like I'm, I must be quite something. I must be quite special. I mean, like check out how special I am. He didn't choose you. No, he didn't choose you. <laughs> he chose me. Even in the presence of her cousin, as she comes, did you notice that? The first little bit we read, what Elizabeth said to her. Elizabeth says, who am I? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Mary could have easily let that go to her head, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right, Elizabeth. That's it. I'm the mother of the Lord. But she didn't. She knew that this was God's work. And because it was God's work, it was God who deserved the glory. For generations, all generations, people will call me blessed Not because of me, but because of what he has done for me. You know, I've heard so many people get this twisted out of shape. People talk about the gospel. They talk about the good news in the Bible as though it were all about people. A human-centered view of God's big story. As if we are at the heart of it all, rather than him. They might not say these exact words, but people have the kind of attitude of like, yeah, God loves us, and of course he does. I mean, we're so special. Like, why wouldn't he? We're the pinnacle of his creation. Of course God loves us. We're the prize. I mean, we're so valuable, we're so precious, we're so good, that he came down to be with us. That's how good we are. I even watched a large-scale nativity production once, uh, put on by a group of churches. uh, and, And as Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she would conceive and give birth to a child, Mary responded, like, who am I? That that could happen to me. Like, who am I? I'm not good enough. Like, why would God choose me? I'm just a a humble girl. (laughs) And the angel replied with the same kind of therapeutic words of comfort that you'll find everywhere in the world, that people say and repeat who want to feel good about themselves. And Gabriel said to Mary, you are, you are good enough. You are, Mary. Everything in me at that moment wanted to shout out, stop, stop. The whole point is that she's not. We're not. That's why we need a saviour. That's why Christ had to come. Because we're not good enough. Each of us fail and fall short. Don't fool yourself. That's the whole point of the gospel. We're not good enough. But he is, and Mary understood that, that he is kind and merciful and generous, and in spite of the fact that we're not good enough, in spite of the fact that we are not deserving, in spite of the fact that we have a propensity to make a mess of things, in spite of the fact that daily we fail and fall. We fail to meet even our own standards, let alone his. In spite of all of that, he loves us. He loves you. And he comes 
to bring us home. That's why it's good news. That's why it's amazing. You see, if we were good enough, we wouldn't need a saviour. But the point is, we do. And Mary understood it. And understanding it, she didn't say, people will call me blessed because of how awesome I am. She said, people will call me blessed because of what he has done for me. She understood that she wasn't worthy, that she wasn't deserving, and that God bestowed on her unmerited grace, unmerited favor. And her heart overflowed with grateful praise as a result. Now, don't get me wrong, Mary's response to God of of humble obedience really is remarkable. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it's striking. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is where the angel Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary and tells her, and you read her response in faith. It's stunning. She's an incredible example to us. But you need to listen to the tone of this opening section of Mary's song as she wants to direct anyone's gaze away from her and back on God. And she says this effectively. She's like, God deserves all the glory and I'm going to give it to him. Even though I'm undeserving and unworthy, God has been good to me. He has blessed me. He's done great things for me and so I will glorify him. And if people remember me for something and for all generations, they will. (laughs) Let it be that God is good. And against all the odds, amazingly, he's done good things for me. And then she continues in her song to say, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. See, here in this song of praise to God, Mary lets us in on something. She tells us who the people are who receive God's mercy who receive God's blessing. He says he scatters the proud, and brings down rulers from their thrones and sends the rich away empty. But in contrast, he extends mercy to those who fear him. He lifts up the humble and he fills the hungry with good things. Now this isn't a polemic against wealth or position in society. But it is a statement about attitude and approach, about the condition of our hearts before God. You see, the proud believe that they're good enough. They don't think they need God. They don't need a saviour. They've got it together. Like, I don't need rescuing. Like, I'm, I'm a very good person, don't you know? The proud don't believe that they need God. They don't know or believe that they need a saviour. They're okay, thank you very much. The rich believe they have everything they need. I, 
if I had one of those, that would make me happy, and that's okay, because I've got enough money, so I'll buy one of those. And maybe that worked for a short period of time, but that's okay, I can buy something else. The rulers, likewise, in some ways, in their hearts, place themselves in the position of God over others, but in contrast, those who fear God, who live in reverence for him, who recognize that he is creator and that they are created, that he is Lord and that they are not, that he rules over all and that they do not, those are the ones whom God favors and blesses, to whom he shows mercy. Those who recognize their poverty, I'm not necessarily talking about material poverty, but their, their, their poverty of heart, their lack, their need of God, their need of him, their humble estate compared with him, well, God blesses them and lifts them up in his kingdom. Those who come hungry, hungry for him, are fed, not with bread and water, but with Christ. God himself nourishes and satisfies and meets the needs of the hungry, meets their deepest longing. And Mary experiences this firsthand as someone who fears God, who is humble and who is hungry for him. She knows the mercy and kindness of God in her life and she glorifies him as a result. And I want to invite you this Christmas, whatever background noise is going on for you, Whatever pressures and stresses and other things are just rattling away right now for you. I want to invite you to come and find joy and find peace and find hope like Mary did that first Christmas. Come hungry and be filled. See, Jesus came that we might receive mercy, that we might find forgiveness for our sins, that we might know true and lasting hope, whatever we face. And here's the stunning part. It's simple. You don't have to do lots of things to receive this mercy. You don't have to tick lots of boxes in order to receive this hope. You don't have to jump through lots of hoops in order to find favor with God. You don't have to feel the weight of trying to be enough. You don't have to put on a brave face and pretend to have it all together. You just have to come as you are with all your baggage and all your brokenness, with your worries and your fears with your faults and your failings and put your trust in him. Acknowledge that you aren't enough. <laughs> what a sigh of relief you can breathe as you stop feeling the pressure of pretending like you are. 
but acknowledge that you aren't and come to him. Come to him hungry. Come to him and receive. Ask him to forgive you. And you know what? The Bible tells us it's guaranteed that he's faithful and just to forgive when we humble ourselves and we ask him. This is the gracious and generous gift of God to all who believe. And those of you who've already put your trust in Jesus, maybe you've done that before, but you know that you can take on again the burden of trying to be enough. You compare yourself with other people, you know, I'm not as this as them, or I'm not as that as that person, or they're like, they seem to pray far more than me, like, I, and you, they read their Bible more than me. Maybe you got that Advent devotional through your door yesterday, and you just thought, like, oh, like I've never done something like that. I, like, I don't even know if I feel like I, I've got the capacity to do that. Like, everyone else is so much more spiritual than me, or whatever it is, and you start to feel the weight of trying to be enough. I want to encourage you today to stop. Stop. Stop trying to strive to make yourself acceptable. <laughs> you can't. But the glorious truth is, is that in his kindness, he comes to you. And Jesus was perfect on your behalf. See, the whole point is that you do need mercy. <laughs> Stop pretending like you don't. I think sometimes people become Christians and then they try and behave as though they don't need grace. It's like, no, no, no hang on. <laughs> you do. Stop pretending like you don't need mercy and come and accept from him. You need a saviour. And gloriously in Jesus we have one. Let's look to him again this Advent time. And let's join in with Mary's song in our soundtrack to Christmas this year. Let's be those who join with Mary in saying, My soul magnifies the Lord. And if people remember me for anything, let them remember me for this. Not that I was anything special. Not that I accomplished great things. Not that I was a brilliant this or that or the other. But that I knew that God had done everything necessary on my behalf for me to know fullness of joy and perfect peace in him. Yeah? I'm going to pray that we might know that and then we're going to sing one final song together. Lord, we thank you so much that you didn't wait for us to make ourselves perfect before we could come into a relationship with you. The truth is none of us could ever do that. We know that. We recognize that. I thank you that, Jesus, you came and you fulfilled the law perfectly in our place that we might receive in you forgiveness and fullness of life. Lord, I pray you would help us to have the same humble approach as Mary, that we, we would be those who recognize that we are not enough, 
And that's okay. Because you are. And in you, the humble are lifted up. The hungry are fed. And those who would be cast out by the world are drawn close and welcomed in. Lord, I pray that you would help us to accept that truth, delight in that truth. And this week, as we allow more and more your generosity and your goodness and your grace to sink into our hearts in response, we would join with Mary in saying, my soul glorifies the Lord, for he has done great things for me. Amen.